0: Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, hey, hey! Come on
2: in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. People used to like it when we did it in the car, so we're in the car. We're driving back from Lincoln to Omaha. It's what time is it? It's 11:30 Nebraska time. Our flight is like at 6 a.m. Nebraska time. It's a little wet. It might be delayed. We have an hour drive, and we need to maximize our time. So, this is Doug Lamarice with Nathan Baird, who's at the wheel. Stephen Means is in the back seat, and we are doing a podcast about Ohio State's. What's the final score?
0: 48 to 7.
2: 48 to 7 win over Nebraska. We have 147 text questions. Try the text 14 day free trial. three ninety-nine a month. Go to slash OSU or slash Buckeye Talk to check it out supposed to do the thing about the five headlines. Man, are we going to do the five headline thing? I guess we're supposed to do it. The bosses wanted to do it. All right. We're maximizing our time, but we're coming up with five headlines at the top of the podcast to talk about it. Stephen Means, number one, do you think Ohio State is as good as anybody in the country, or do you think that Alabama or Oklahoma or Georgia would have a case to say, yeah, we're still better than Ohio
1: State? I think they're as good as any team in the country. Like, they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat, and they're blowing out teams they're supposed to blow out. And they're even blowing out the teams that we, both of you and I thought that this would be a game today, and they blew this team out as well. So, yeah, I think they're as good as the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Clemsons, the LSUs, and the Oklahomas. Clemson stinks. They're definitely better than Clemson. Nathan, <laughs> Clemson doesn't stink. <laughs> no, we're, Clemson uh, doesn't
2: stink. This, we're in a car. It doesn't count. When you say something in a car, it doesn't count. Clemson stinks.
0: Uh, okay. Nathan Baird. Will you vote Ohio State number one on your AP ballot this week? I'm considering it. The problem is that there are about five teams, as Stephen kind of just said. Yes, I think Ohio State is probably as good as any of those. I put them right up there with Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, uh, Auburn probably right behind that, Oklahoma in that conversation. Like, there's, a, there's still a glut of teams with small separation between them, and sometime between now and 11 a.m. tomorrow, I'm probably going to forego sleep to try to figure out how I'm going to rank those teams. But like I said, uh, when we shot a video after, I, I'm pretty sure that I have to at least put Ohio State ahead of Clemson this week based on some things that I've seen head-to-head. Although after I said that, I also realized Clemson has already beaten Texas A&M, which I think is a really good team. So I don't know. There's a, it's it's a tough thing. It's a tough call. Somebody's got to do it, though, and I will fall on the grenade.
2: Don't forget, just remember, I would say, remember to take into account the fact that Clemson stinks. Steven, how would you rate Ryan Day's coaching job through five games. Every game, we do a video after the game grading Justin Fields on his performance. What's your grade for Ryan Day's performance as a first-year full-time head coach?
1: I'm going to give him an A because Jeff halfway talked about like how Ryan Day pretty much used a timeout for the defense, and like you never see that type of stuff from offensive coaches. Stuff, those type of intangible things is why I'm going to give him an A. One, yeah, they're winning games, and he's got Justin Fields playing as if he's a three-year starter right now. But things like, well, wow, he, when he made his defensive hires, he had the non-negotiable things of how of certainly they had to do as a defense. And you see, you're seeing those things coming to fruition. So from the hires he's made to how the offense is flowing, how his quarterback is playing, how his running back is playing, everything is flowing and going in the right direction. I'm giving him an A.
2: Nathan, I'm not going to ask you if Clemson stinks, but legitimately, does Nebraska stink? Is there any proof tonight that like this Nebraska team is just not at all competitive and that's what this is about partly, or would you, would you say this is entirely about Ohio State being good and Nebraska may end up being a very good football team?
0: They sure stunk tonight. But I think what this is a matter of is, uh, I've talked about this before, the kind of the the bell curve philosophy and there's those, those few teams at either end of the bell curve that are just on a different level of either greatness or suckitude and Nebraska is not at the far end of, I'm talking about just the very worst teams in the country. Nebraska is not one of those teams but they're in that big fat messy middle where on any given night those teams can usually beat each other but it takes a lot for those teams to jump up and take out one of the teams that's in that elite small band and that's Ohio State right now I think Nebraska could I think there's a world and I can envision a world in which Nebraska beats and or challenges Ohio State into the fourth quarter we talked about it all week but you can't do it when you turn the ball over twice early like that when you fall behind 17 to nothing and Ohio State just keeps gets to keep bringing that defense at you relentlessly. With their with their playmakers the whole time. I mean that's just you're setting yourself up for disaster. But Ohio State has put itself into that category where if you let yourself get behind, it, it's you really are suffocating yourself and you have no chance to get out of that. Alright,
2: our fifth headline. What is the best sandwich in Nebraska? The answer is it's a runza. All right, so let's get into the questions from the text followers. And I'm not I'm not gonna do I'm not gonna do a rant. I'm not going to do. I'll let it happen naturally. Now that we're five games into the year, what's your regular season prediction? And please don't say nine and three. Um, my regular season prediction is 12 and 0. Are, uh, so we let's say we gather information as we go. Short answer: We're going to spend the next 50 minutes explaining stuff. Short answer: What's your regular season 12 game prediction for Ohio State right now, based on what's happened?
0: 12 and 0. Also, um, I, tonight proved to me that i mean just look at just look at the contrast between this year and last nebraska i don't think is is worse than it was last year when it came into ohio stadium and played within five points of ohio state but this is how much ohio state has elevated itself with the quarterback that justin fields is and the way he's executing the poise he showed tonight and it, they're just
1: playing on a different level this is we they're ahead of where we thought they were to start the year i'm going 12 and 0 based off of my original projection where the only team I thought that was going to be right,
2: 12 and I was good I, I don't what original seriously and this is a, I'm going to do a 30 second rant original projections are worthless now we've the whole point is to gather information so I said nine and three that's wrong they're not going to go nine and three so I said this to the texters already if you tweet nine and three at me I'm muting you you can still follow me but I'm done interacting with you and that's my choice because Twitter is free and it's your choice to tweet nine and three at me because I was wrong. But I've been covering this team for 15 years. I'm excellent at my job. I'm really good at this. I'm terrible at predicting things. So I'm going to do my job. And if you want to get hung up on my pick and tweet it at me, that's fine. But I'm done with you. If you text it at me and you pay $4 to taunt me, I will respond and you can respond and we can have a lovely back and forth. But if you're doing it for free, I'm out because I get it. They're much better than I expected. And so we're going to deal with the real world and not what people thought in August. Uh, which side of the ball is better is our next text question from the 614. That's it. Which side is more impressive, Nathan? Which, if you have to pick one, offense or defense? Ugh. Offense. Steven? Defense.
1: Easily. Why do you say Easily. Well, one, I think they have the best. Their their best player is a defensive player. Their best two players are. The, defensive yeah, players. their second best player is a defensive player, and the linebackers have been night and day for where they were last season. The secondary looks amazing. Like this, it's the defense is the defense is creating a lot of these opportunities that, that they're putting That's the true. offense
0: in. I changed my vote.
1: They're causing turnovers that are putting the offense in solid positions to score.
2: I think they have very good offensive players. I think they have more elite. Defensive players, which again I you you guys agree with, so I would say defense as well. Uh, from the eight one three, does it seem like this coaching staff game plans each week more than in previous years? Um, no. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing that's hard is I I'm also not sure why people, some people, are very interested in like acting that like the Urban Meyer era was a failure somehow. Like, there are a lot of questions that are like, well, they never did this under Urban. Well, why didn't this ever happen? They lost nine games in seven years. And, like, one of the reasons they're really good right now is because Urban Meyer put together the top two recruiting classes in the country in back-to-back years. I, I just, I, I'm confounded by it. Because I understand that sports is about comparison and all this stuff. But, you know what? Like, they game-planned the heck out of it in 2014. Tom Herman was an awesome offensive coordinator. Chris Ash and Luke Fickle were great defensive coordinators. Kerry Combs was a great secondary coach. Like, they've had, like, Ed Warner was a great offensive line coach. They've had really good coaches here. They had bad defensive coaches last year. So, I, I don't, like, let's not pretend that the whole Urban Meyer era is last year. Let's not pretend the whole Urban Meyer era is Bill Davis and and Tim Beck and Zach Smith, they run great coaches through here all the time. Tom Herman schemed it up like a bad man for three years. So yes, this is awesome. But like every question, and we get a lot of them, that's like, well, isn't this better than every, and the answer is no. Like the answer is, this is really good, and there are particular things that are particularly elite about this team, but I, I do take exception. Not exception. It's just like in the name of like factualness that, yes, they have had good coaches before and they have schemed it up before. It just so happened last year wasn't one of those years. Um, Tyler Shoemaker, only fourth Tyler was this week on getting the questions in. He's usually first. Bless you. He's making the trip from South Carolina for the Michigan State game next weekend. Is there any chance that Michigan State's defense can slow down this Ohio State offense? Do you guys think there's any chance Michigan State
0: can slow down the Buckeyes? I think it depends on your definition of slow down. No. But, but probably not. No.
2: Let's say, can they hold them under 35? Yes. You think they could hold them to like thirty one or something or twenty yeah.
0: eight? I think they could hold them to thirty four. Like I mean that's that's still a lot of points. I mean, against a ranked team, the Michigan State's gonna come in, even though they, they struggled today a little bit at home putting away an Indiana a lot. team. A lot. They did yeah, but I also think we you also think Ohio State did not see Indiana's best effort um that day. I agree, and Michael Penix, it
2: appears, would have given Ohio State more of a look yes. than Peyton Ramsey did. Yes. However, if you had trouble dealing with Michael Penix,
0: let me introduce you to Justin Fields. Fair point. <laughs> so, Fair point. And that game was in East Lansing, and this is going to be at uh, Ohio Stadium. I, I mean, but yes, I mean, again, there's, there's a world where Ohio State only scores 34 points and beats Michigan State 34-3. to 3. It's still a dominant win. Do you think they have a
1: chance to slow them down, Stephen? I don't think they have a chance to slow them down. Some of that is because... They cause so many turnovers that, like, Ohio State's already in position to score. They don't have to have these long drives all the time. And on top of that, Justin Fields is playing amazing. And, uh, and like, he's calm and he's poised in the pocket. He took a sack today, and like, but he doesn't get sacked that often. He doesn't turn the ball over. So, no, he's efficient with what he does. And so, no, I don't think they can hold him under
2: 35. I, I don't really expect him to slow him down either. It's weird with Michigan State. I mean, D'Antonio will jump up and get you um, sometimes when you're least expecting it. 2013, 2015. And then there are times where it's just like, oh, yeah, Ohio State has a lot more good players than Michigan State, and they just absolutely handle them. Both those things have happened uh, in the D'Antonio era. For as many times as D'Antonio has played right with Ohio State, they've also just been outclassed at times. And I, and I think this might we might be in for an outclassing. Um, that would That would be my expectation. Chris McCormick, our guy... Couple questions, but his main one is about should should we be concerned about Nicholas Petit Frere? He's supposed to be the backup, but then when Brandon Bowen couldn't play today at right tackle, they played Josh Allaby instead. He's asking if we could see him in the transfer portal. Um, he's a top 10 national recruit. Like, obviously, I think it, we understand the idea. Allaby's a fifth year senior, Petit Frere's a, a second year guy. We understand leaning on the veteran in this situation. But for the future of Nicholas Petit Frere, if you were expecting him to be the starter next year or what you think his career is going to be at Ohio State, Nathan, would you believe this is any kind of red flag?
0: I don't know about red flag. Again, I think today was, and we didn't really get to ask Ryan Day about this that much, and this will probably something we can follow up with him on Tuesday. But I, I think, I would imagine that the fact that Alabi had started in the Rose Bowl was a, again, a fifth year veteran. Um, I think those things play in the, when you're going into Nebraska, those things are a factor. And the other reason why I wouldn't be too worried, at least immediately, about something like a transfer portal is Brandon Bowen's a fifth year senior. Alabi's a fifth year senior. Those guys both are out of the program next year. The door is wide open for him to potentially take one of those two tackle spots.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would hope, I hope any kid does what's best for them. There's an opening for him, and they said he competed right with Bowen all through camp. So I think it still makes sense for, and lines up for him to, to start next year as a, as a third-year guy. Um, I don't think it's a red flag. I was a little surprised. I mean, the idea, like, of course you play the veteran. I still just sort of thought if he was that close with Bowen in the preseason in the fight for the job, then why wouldn't you just be 100% comfortable with him in any situation? Because he was almost the starter. So, not a red flag, but a little bit of an eyebrow raise for me on that one. From the 5-1-3, is Wisconsin the first real game of the season? Um, or did Northwestern, the way they played Wisconsin on Saturday, prove that Wisconsin really isn't that great? If it's not Wisconsin, is it Penn State in game 11? Steven, when, when is the first... We thought this might be a test, it wasn't. When, when is the real, true, first test coming?
1: I, I think it's Wisconsin... I say that lightly at this point because, like you said, we keep saying teams are going to be the real first test for them, and they keep not being a test for them. So I think just because they have a Heisman caliber running back, but to the point I've made already, they've they've shown that they can shut down Heisman caliber running backs out of Wisconsin. But I do like if I think that's just the the, the, I think that's the best team on their schedule at this point. So if anybody is going to test them, it has to be the best team on their schedule.
2: I guess I think I would agree that Wisconsin is the best team on their schedule. I just don't know that Wisconsin's built to hang with Ohio State, especially an Ohio State team like this. Um, they have a good offensive line. Maybe they'll be able to do something with Chase Young. Their quarterback is a game manager. He's not dynamic. Ohio State stops the run pretty well. Their linebackers are playing well. I, I would say it is going to be Penn State, or honestly, and I'm just, I'm just like, I think they maybe don't get tested like i think so and we'll go to the, is is the big 10 batters ohio state good that's, that's from the 614 i think it might be both and it's the same thing we often deal with the with the big 10 i just i mean I are, are there are there teams with like a bevy of elite athletes who can
0: be dangerous and and pressure you in a variety of ways like i mean but hold on a second though i mean You can plausibly vote Wisconsin and Penn State as top ten teams right now. Correct. You could plausibly do that. So this idea, yes, the bottom of the Big Ten is pretty ugly right now. I think we saw that, and really maybe even up into the middle. But I I don't discount the fact that I think Ohio State is probably fortunate that it gets both Wisconsin and Penn State at home. Because I think in, in, in certain ways, both of those teams could challenge. Just the fact that Wisconsin is... You know, An offense predicated around Jonathan Taylor, I don't think you're going to be able to work off of turnovers and the way that they did tonight in, in, in capitalizing against Nebraska. And in Penn State, what we saw them do to Maryland last night, in Maryland, again, I know Maryland belongs in that kind of ugly portion of the Big Ten I was talking about, even though they peaked their head up and were ranked a couple weeks ago. But, I mean, they just demolished them in, in a really emphatic way, as, as much or more so than what Ohio State did to Nebraska tonight. Uh, there's a lot of really talented athletes at Penn State and a guy who knows how to coach. So I don't. This idea that they're just going to smoke everybody, I don't believe yet. I think those could both be games that even if Ohio State wins up comfortably, I'm not expecting 48 to seven out either of those games. at even at Ohio State, I think I am firmly in the smoke
2: everybody camp. Like, and it's like to say like, oh, is the Big Ten bad? It's like, well, the Pac-12 is bad, and I yes. think the I think the Big Twelve. Other than Oklahoma, maybe Oklahoma and Texas, I think, isn't all that impressive. The ACC is bad, other than Clemson. And so it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, and and sports writers can fall into this, fans can fall into this, like the everybody's bad camp. But Alabama has to deal with LSU and Georgia. Ohio State, I don't think, has tests like that waiting for them. and. If they were in any other conference in the country other than the SEC, I don't think they'd have them there either. But I just think if you if we believe, I think we all believe that Ohio State's in that top cut. And I think there might be a sizable difference between everybody in the top cut, whether it's five or six teams whatever it is, and the next group down. And yes, I do think Wisconsin and Penn State are in that next group down, but I think I mean it's one of those things. If Alabama played Wisconsin tomorrow, don't Wouldn't most people expect that the game would be, like, 41-17? to Isn't that what... Because Alabama's Alabama. And, like, Wisconsin is good, but, like, they can't hang with Bama. I feel like that would be the national perception of a game like that.
0: I would take those 24 points.
2: I don't think the line would be 24, but it's like the way you view... You certainly don't view Alabama and Wisconsin in any kind of similar way. Alabama's going to send... 17 guys to the nfl off of its starting 22 wisconsin's gonna send six yeah right don't we don't we have that impression that there is just this gap that there's this gap between like clemson and alabama and everybody else and so i feel like that perception has been there for the past couple years deservedly so
0: Because those are the only two teams that have had a shot at the national title for the last three years. But Clemson has a whole lot more NFL players than North Carolina does, and North Carolina almost beat them today.
1: Yeah, but that goes back to the point that Clemson (laughs) stinks.
2: Let's pull it back around to the national champion is terrible. I I just think Ohio State might be in that threshold. I think they are. I think they're in the Clemson-Alabama threshold. I think the gap between the next level might be sizable. And I think it's possible that they are more prepared this year to be dominant every week than somebody like Clemson. And I'm not saying that based on Clemson's roster, but I don't know. Like, is Clemson already won a national championship? They're a little fat and happy. Are they a little fat and happy? And Ohio State, like, gave up 50 points to Maryland last year, that there's... Ohio State is striving and craving to get back to a level that Clemson is at, and so we know there's a psychological component to that. I just, I mean, you guys are going to get this impression. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just in. I'm in. I'm in on them being great, and I just don't know that anybody else in the Big Ten really has a legitimate chance to hang with them.
0: Is there potentially a parallel to draw? Uh, not to get on off a complete tangent, but with a team like Ohio State right now and a team like virginia basketball last year that was you know two years ago they lose in the first round and they're just completely out of the the conversation even though they should have been they were as good as any of those t te- any team in the nation and then right that kind of fueled an extra fire for them to come back this year that could be part of the dynamic that's happening here obviously i, I don't necessarily quote losing a regular season game on the road to purdue to losing to umbc but yeah i think you see the point i'm
2: you know i mean i think there is um I mean, I think it's okay. I think you can equate the Purdue loss to the UMBC loss. I don't think that's in different universes. You know, it's like a, it's like a loss that nobody can believe that, yeah. then, pars- that then probably unfairly defines you to some degree. Yeah. And delegitimizes, in the eyes of some, the actual talent that is there. And the most dangerous team on the earth is a team with overdog talent and an underdog mentality. And this is a team filled with five-star dudes... That's ticked off because some people picked them to go nine and three just because their coach and their quarterback were new. <laughs> and like that idea and the idea of like, hey, like Urban Meyer's gone, how are you guys gonna do this? Dwayne Haskins gone, how are you gonna do this? And they're like, listen, man, they're playing eight guys from the 2017 class who were top one hundred recruits who are absolute game changers for this team right now. From Okuda to Dobbins to Young to Wade. To Myers and Davis on the offensive line, like it makes total sense for them to be this good, but yet they feel like they have something to prove. That's about the most dangerous team that you can be. So that's why I just think they might be in a situation where they don't really get challenged. Hypothetically speaking, from the three three oh, if they don't face adversity in a dog fight, will that end up being good or bad in the long run, say for the Big Ten championship game or the playoff? I don't think it affects the Big Ten Championship game because the Big Ten Championship game, I don't know. Let's say Iowa or Minnesota, they don't play wins the West. Iowa or Minnesota are the two most likely candidates of the teams they don't play. And, like, Iowa's winning a bunch of close games and Ohio State's beating the, the pants off of people. Like, is that going to be a disadvantage for Ohio State against Iowa in the Big Ten championship game? I don't think so. I think no. they'd be fine, right? Yeah, well, yeah, I think the talent disparity
1: there is going to win out. Yeah, no, I don't think like, – the, the question is basically like, – they're not going to get challenged, and then they're going to go up against a Clemson or a Georgia or Alabama in the playoffs, and they're going to get their butt kicked. I don't think that would happen this time around. I think the talent, like you just like they got this many top 100 guys, five star guys who are starting, who have an underdog mentality as overdog talents. I don't think we'll get a Clemson situation where it was 31 to nothing type of situation again.
2: And again, they are so much better and yeah. so much more talented. The depth of talent than the 2016 team that like they are that is not going to happen. They are not going to have that situation happen. And I don't know. I'd have to look. I don't know how often Clemson and Alabama have been tested in the last couple of years like off the top of my head. I mean, I know, you know, they lost Clemson lost the pit game or whatever and Al- I mean, most Clemson and Alabama roll and then I don't know that anybody ever says, "Well, Clemson and Alabama were too dominant. They're going to lose in the playoff to Washington." It's like, "No, they're not. They're fine." And that's what think, though, I think the way you think about Ohio State now. Uh, hotter seat from the 316, Scott Frost or Jim Harbaugh? Jim Harbaugh. Oh,
0: Jim Harbaugh, of course.
2: Scott Frost is on the way up. It's year two. They did not show out very well tonight, but I saw a person wearing a t shirt today that said, like, Devaney, Osborne, a bunch of other guys, Frost. Which, like, tells you what they think of Scott Frost. Now, that's selling, that's giving short shrift, like, a lot of, like, pretty darn successful Bo Pelini seasons. So let me stand up for Bo Pelini for a second. But they see him as a former Cornhusker player, like, as the rightful heir to this in a lot of ways that Jim Harbaugh was. But, like, you get a leash. And Jim Harbaugh's in year five. Scott Frost is in year two. Like, it's Harbaugh and it's not even close. Were Nebraska and Adrian Martinez overrated from the nine four one
1: Steven? I don't I don't I think I don't think they were overrated. I think one they turned the ball over in ways that they couldn't turn the ball over. I think this is a – some of what Adrian Martinez's struggles were, I think were a credit to a defense who's got better coaches and they're just playing better than they were last season because it's night and day, no pun intended, with the performance he had at Ohio Stadium as a freshman and then the performance he put up today. And, then, yeah, some of those were he made some bad decisions and or just had some terrible moments. But the defense did its job against Adrian Martinez today. and Some of that is a credit to they get to go up against Jake. Justin Fields every day in practice, who similar playing style a little bit, and so they're kind of used to it. But like, yeah, you got to give the defense a little bit of credit, especially when you look like look at what he was able to do last season with against practically the same personnel on defense. I, I don't think he's
2: overrated like the other eleven weeks of the year. It's clear he's not ready for a moment like this, and so that was a miscalculation by people like me who thought like, hey, this guy's dynamic. He he can rise to the occasion. He's he's just not ready. He can be dynamic against Colorado. He'll be dynamic against Minnesota and Iowa and everybody else in the West. He'll win them some
0: games this year. He was not ready for this level. A couple of days ago, you ranked the Big Ten quarterbacks and you had Adrian Martinez number two after Justin Fields. Would you like to reassess that? See, I, I like the point. Like no, because I don't. I don't think that they would do
2: anything different. That this defense would do anything different to Nate Stanley, or or. We'll have to see how Sean Clifford progresses. Sean Clifford is his first year as a starter. Like I, I don't know. And then like like Brian Lawry, who's been around for like no, this is not a quarterback league. It hasn't been a quarterback league for twenty years. So, no, I and that's part of the point. Like I think this is a, a night where it's ninety or ninety-five percent about Ohio State and five or ten percent about Nebraska. And. I'm waiting for Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez was averaging 320 yards of offense a game. I think he'll put up. I don't know who they play next week. I would bet he'll put up 320 yards of offense and look like a pretty good quarterback. Um, Is this the best offensive line of the last four years from Pete Capo? Um, I think think maybe at six, maybe because 15, the 2015 line, when you have Taylor Decker, first-round pick, Billy Price, first-round pick, Pat flying fourth-round pick, but NFL starter. That's like a really good offensive line. But but you can see why this offensive line has grown into this. They have uh, Thayer Munford proved what he can be. Jonah Jackson is a veteran Big Ten starter, even though he's new here. And Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers are like top 50 national recruits who are ready for this. And then credit to Josh Allaby for filling in like that. But it makes sense for them to be doing this. Um, they're playing really well. I'd put, like, the 2014 and 15 line still ahead of them. But then I think when we get to, like, the 16, 17, 18 offensive lines, they're more talented than last year's offensive line, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I think it might be. I think it might be the best in the last four years. All right, so let's do this from Chip Munn. Who are your four playoff teams after five weeks without considering Clemson's schedule? And it's like, I think you you have to – I mean, you yeah, take everything you to, into account. Yeah. So it's yeah. like – um, but if we were just doing like a raw... And by the way, so I, I hope this is interesting, and I don't know what I'm allowed to write and everything, but Wednesday and Thursday is when I'll be in Texas at the mock playoff committee selection. The real selections don't come out for another month from the real committee, but I'm very interested in this in this committee process, but I'm hoping we're also... I'm going to learn like what people think of Ohio State, and we're going to be in a fake room. Right. I don't know if the room is fake. Like, if the hotel is fake... Like if, what if it's like you think it's all virtual reality? So you, park, just you, you put yeah. it on a headset. It's like a refrigerator box, and yeah, you put on a headset. Yeah, so I don't know which parts are, parts are mock and which are for real, but I I hope I get to learn, along with the playoff stuff, what people think of Ohio State. So, I mean, I really think, I when I voted, I cared a lot about the teams you beat. So Stephen made this point in the video. I mean, for LSU to beat Texas and for Georgia to beat Notre Dame. That has to be part of it. They haven't beaten a team that good. But there's a lot of people in the world that go almost strictly by eye test, and I think they might be an eye test number one right now. Do you guys know who your four playoff teams will be right now as we drive in a car through at midnight through the depths of a dark and stormy
0: Nebraska prairie? I'm still taking Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, and then Ohio State I would take as my fourth team right now. Even over LSU, who I, I agree does have a, a really great, good win, going on the road and beating Texas, but just what I'm seeing right now, I think I think Ohio State would have gone on the road and beaten Texas as well. Just from what we've seen, I, I would take Ohio State as the fourth team.
2: I, I don't mean to belabor the Clemson
0: point, but I know Clemson beat A and M, but that was a game for a little while, right? It's twenty-four to ten. But again, AM AM is better than anybody Ohio State's played, it's not even close. But what do you I, and I hate you can't you know, but what do you think Ohio State would do against AM? I,
2: yeah, probably I think Ohio State might blow the doors off AM. Uh, I would put Ohio State ahead of Clemson right now.
0: Yeah, I wasn't putting those in order. I'm just saying those four teams.
2: No,
0: you just asked who the four teams. Oh, Chip Chip ranked his in order. Oh I'm sorry, okay. I didn't know you wanted him in order.
2: Chip Munn, he's a pilot. He wants him in order. Uh, he's very precise. Okay. Chips are one Georgia, two Ohio State, three LSU, four Oklahoma. So he doesn't even
1: have Alabama in. Uh, or Clemson. Or Clemson. I'm going to go one Georgia, two Ohio State, three Alabama, and four Clemson. <coughs> I think Clemson right now is what Florida State was in that first college football playoff, where it's like, as long as they keep winning, they're going to be in, even if they're not necessarily playing at the championship level. I, they're <coughs> getting in off of... They're undefeated in the reputation that they're the reigning national champion, champions. Ohio State, I think, has been, like you just said, the eye test, I think they're the best team when it comes to eye tests. But Georgia has the, the most impressive win of those four teams I just named. The Alabama's blowing the doors off for everybody.
2: I think I might have Clemson sixth. Because when you think about the wins that LSU and Georgia have, and then you think about the Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio State eye tests, isn't Oklahoma eye testing like Ohio State right now? I don't I don't know. I don't feel like Clemson Clemson's wins aren't as good as Georgia or LSU. And like beating AM, I don't think is so good that you would automatically rank them above Oklahoma or Ohio State or Alabama who haven't beaten a team as good as AM. I don't know. I think I might have Clemson six. I think I would have I think I agree with Georgia one Ohio State 2, though. Because I do think Notre Dame is legit enough that, that that would lead me down that path um, the prediction is the prediction I respect you owning it if you had the chance to revise your prediction 12-0 or 11-1 from 2-1-6 12-0 0 what is the meaning of the crossed arms by the Nebraska fans is that a thing do you know what they're talking about
1: I think it's like so like they wear black the starters wear black shirts and they, like, they have like the shirts have like crossbones on them I think that's what it is
2: oh they're doing like the skull crossed yeah. uh, arms yeah okay uh, while you're in Lincoln, could you ask folks why they didn't go after Joe Burrow when he came out of high school and again when he entered the transfer portal? Um, I think they liked Adrian Martinez um, by the time that they would have been getting Burrow in the transfer portal. Um, I think it was a mistake by them to not try to get Joe and try to persuade him to come be their starter. Although highest I mean, again, the whole thing is his dad was a coach at Nebraska, was part of the Frank Solich staff that got fired, That's why they moved to Ohio, because Frank Solich got the job at Ohio U, and so that's where the Burrow family moved. So it's like, yes, Joe Burrow's an Ohio kid, but he grew up with Big Red. So I think they could have come and got him. But I think Joe has talked about that, and again, since we're driving through the dreary Nebraska prairie at midnight, I don't have it right in front of me. I think something got a little hinky. It's hard when your program's... I mean, like if Scott Frost was there the whole time but they were in Mike Riley, I think they were switching from Paulini to Riley right when Joe Burrow was happening, and and stuff gets off kilter in recruiting when you're changing coaches. Is this peak buckeyes? Where can they get better? Where is the line between resting guys and having respect for the opponent, Charlie? I do not believe in having respect for the opponent in conference games, especially Nebraska. Like there's no such thing. If you don't want to beat if you don't want to embarrass Florida Atlantic or Miami of Ohio, I admire the sportsmanship. There's no such thing as take, or having respect for the opponent in the Big Ten. If you can't hang in a conference game, leave the conference.
0: Well, um, And I'm sorry, but they've also, as we were just saying, you're talking about having Clemson potentially like sixth among the top teams in the country. When it's when there's that little separation between those teams, you have to make a statement sometimes. And that's just the game that this bad system has forced us to play.
2: Uh, a follow-up question from the 202. Please ask why Fields was left in so long. Um, Same thing. I don't, of all the things in the world to talk about in a football game, the idea of like, you were too good that you left your good players in too long. Yeah, I know it's a thing. And when a guy in the fourth quarter breaks his leg in the game, I get it. I get it. But I just, I dislike how much sometimes people want to talk about that. Short answer. Short answer. Did you guys have any major problems with how long Justin Fields was in the game tonight?
1: No, I don't. This is like they were not up seventy-six to five. Like they, it was forty-eight to seven. Like, like, and that's an impressive win. I'm not taking that away. But it's not like they were up by seventy points and. Justin Fields is out there with two minutes to go. He played the third quarter, and he played literally the first like 90 seconds of the fourth quarter, and that's because their last series from the third quarter ran over into the next quarter. Like It's fine if he plays three quarters.
0: But it wasn't like he was in there running naked boots either. He
1: was in yeah. there handing the ball off. Like,
2: couldn't settle down. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. He was asked about it, and Ryan Day said, like, it's difficult. I get it. I think he sort of admitted, like, sort of getting caught up in the moment sometimes and maybe thought they left him in a little bit too long, maybe one series too long. But I just, there's a million other things to talk about with how good this team is. And you know what? If if he gets hurt in the fourth quarter of a game where he should have been out already, we'll talk about it then. But, like, until then, case are off. Uh, can we agree? Ohio State is everybody as good as Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Auburn, and everyone else. Yes. 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 From the four one nine, we agree. Um, are you guys surprised from the three eight six? Surprised by how well and how quickly Fields has mastered the offense? I'm surprised. I said uh, I thought he would have bumps. I Tate Martell talked about like how difficult this offense is. I think there's a lot of parts to this offense. But yet they're also really smart. I think they make easy throws for him. They make easy quick outs. He has a, And the other thing is, he makes a lot of throws look easy. He makes NFL throws from the hash to the sideline, where it's yeah. like, oh, look, they're kind of playing off on the receiver, and the receiver played it, ran a 12-yard out, and Fields put it right on his hands, and that was a free 12 yards. It's like, well, it's not free for everybody. There's a lot of quarterbacks who throw a rainbow when they're trying to make that throw from the hash to the sideline. He has a really strong arm. And if you want to go on Twitter and start looking for people who are talking about Justin Fields as the potential number one pick in the 2021 draft, you can find it. Because I saw it in my timeline tonight. And it wasn't from fans. It was from people who do this. Someone, someone said something about, like, let's not think that Trevor Lawrence is a slam dunk as the number one pick in 2021. Because Justin Fields in five games... Is changing the thought process on that. That is so premature, it's ridiculous. But he makes NFL throws on a regular basis. And then, oh, by the way, he can really move. Um, let's see. Is it weird that I get annoyed seeing clips of Justin Fields in a Georgia uniform from the 513? Yeah, Stephen. You think if Nathan thinks it's weird? What do you think, Stephen?
1: Yeah, sure. And like, more importantly, I think there are some Georgia fans who still are not happy with Justin Fields at all.
2: Well, I, I, why do you think they're not happy with
1: Justin Fields?
2: Because I think there are people who are not happy with Kirby Smart.
1: I I think it's a little bit. Yeah, yeah. See, that's again. I think it's a little bit of both. And when they see Justin Fields be Justin Fields and have these moments, they kind of like. Let that emotion out towards him, because like, I don't know if Justin Fields wasn't the better option for Georgia to over Jake Fromm or not. I, you get why? I mean, like Georgia is also maybe the best team in the country yeah, so with the first round right, draft. pick so it's not. It's not that, right. like they like they. There's a drop off as far as a like, team success. But I think Justin Fields has the, the the element of running that he brings to the table that Jake Fromm doesn't have, yep. and you see right. him putting that on display, but like, it's not like, he's not a running quarterback who just happens to have a strong arm. He's a thrower who just happens to be able to run. It's just, I don't know how it could have
2: worked out differently in the transfer world where no good quarterback wants to sit, and I get why they don't want to sit. I just don't know how we can, I mean, the way Jalen Hurts is playing, are there people at Alabama who were mad at Nick Saban because they, they think he should have played Jalen Hurts and no, benched Tua?
1: No, like, I think that's too different. Like, Jalen Hurts like I think with him it's more like the, the, the Joe Burrows where he, he did his time and he didn't win it so he, he left and went somewhere else but like he tried his hardest while with Justin it was after one year and yeah it was in small doses but they got to see a little bit of it in that jersey and now it feel, maybe it just feels like another team is benefiting from like the small amount of Justin Fields we got last year.
2: I do think and, and I don't know if people want to hear this and it's the way of the world, and it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But this kid, and he had revealed it in, a, in an answer this week in a, in a good story by Ryan McGee from ESPN, who was in town. Uh, and I would suggest you guys go read that story. Like, And Justin Fields, from the get-go, from the first time he talked to anybody when he got to Ohio State, admitted this was a business decision. He came here to get ready for the NFL, and he felt like with the relationship he had with Quincy Avery and Dwayne Haskins and what they told him about Ryan Day, he felt like Ryan Day in Ohio State, that was the person and the place to set him up best to play fast and play well and get ready for the NFL. Like, I don't know that, like, this kid, I don't know if he has scarlet and gray running through his veins. Now, it doesn't matter what's running through his veins because he's wearing scarlet and gray in his uniform. But he's here for two years on an internship and he talked about how like he takes a lot of online classes he's not on campus that much this is just the way it is and it's probably part of why like a lot of people think these kids should be paid because yes there's a lot of great tradition and great um, loyalty and and that feeling that college football gives you that's different than the nfl but there's also a lot of the NFL in college football. And this is like an NFL relationship. And, and, again, I'm not saying Justin Fields should be walking campus every day holding hands with Brutus Buckeye. But, like, if you feel weird seeing him in a Georgia uniform, I think it feeds off of that a little bit. Because I would wonder if there is a 5 or 10% part of a person who would feel like, man, I do not he doesn't quite feel like as much of a Buckeye. And that might be a crazy, that might be an offensive thing for me to say. I'm not saying that's the case. I wonder if anybody would feel that. And, like, you know what? Like, Russell Wilson shows up on a lot of Big Ten Network highlights. He was at Wisconsin for one year. He was at North Carolina State for four. So, like, it happens. I get it. But I think that's where that feeling might come from because you didn't get to know this kid for a year in the recruiting process. You didn't. He didn't redshirt and wait his turn and you learn. He just showed up kind of fully formed and was awesome. And he's not going to be here that long. And, you know, Dwayne Haskins was walking around with with that video of when he was 10 years old in the Ohio State locker room dressed as a Buckeye. You know, Justin Fields doesn't have that video. But you don't have to have that video to be an Ohio State quarterback, just like you don't have to grow up with a Woody Hayes poster on your wall to be the Ohio State coach. So that's what that question reminded me of. If you're Mac Brown, do you go for two on the win over Clemson? North Carolina tried it. They went for two. They failed. That's from the five one three. What did you guys think of the decision to go for two?
1: I would have gone for two. I love the decision to go for two. I don't love the— I would not run that play. Yeah, I don't love how they executed going for two.
2: Got to have a play. And they didn't. if that's your play, you got to do better than that. You got to have a plan for the moment like that, especially if you're North Carolina and you can't just talent your way— to the two point conversion against Clemson. You gotta have something. You gotta have something that's half a wrinkle. And like that quarterback
0: running the option was not it. When so. has, isn't like the quarterback running a play action like roll out to one side and throwing to a tight end, isn't that play like undefeated in the history of two point conversion? Yes. Unless you're Maryland. Okay, maybe. That's right. Well <laughs> but like it, it seems like or or on the goal line, like that play works Every time. Yeah. They're darn near every time. Yeah. And instead, they run some kind of option thing where you're trying to get to the edge against a team that has a clear physical advantage. It made no sense. When was the last time an Ohio State team looked this good in every aspect
2: of the game this early in the season? That's from the 5-1-3. I still do think there's a lot of comparisons to 2016 in that. Um, but the issue with 2016, I mean, they had a better win. They had the win at Oklahoma. But that team was really young. And that team was one of the youngest teams in the country. And there's a point to this that before, and I'm going to write about this. I think I, uh, I've, I'm giving up on all the games. So like, I'm just going to assume Ohio State's going to win every game until the playoff, fifty to nothing. So I got to find other stuff to write and talk about. I think that almost all the other teams that I've covered here, you could find like, well, this is where they. have had a potential flaw and like that 2016 team was so young that even when they looked so good against Oklahoma early it was like man they're really young though and I wrote a story before last season about the 2017 recruiting class and whether Okuda and Young and all these guys as sophomores could do what the 2013 recruiting class did as sophomores which is they won the national championship as sophomores Joey Bosa, Ezekiel Elliott, all those guys they did it as sophomores They didn't do it as sophomores, but I actually think there is something to the idea that like Chase Young and all these guys who are part of this team are juniors. They're veterans now. They've been around. They've they've had disappointment. They've played at a high level. They've been in tough games. I think it makes them more likely to sustain this high level than a team that is leaning on so many young guys. And I think it makes them less likely to, to have bumps now. Now that they've established themselves... These guys are third-year players, so I I am not um, I am not waiting for a shoe to drop because I think there's a combination of factors here that make the the, the possibility of this early season stuff being real uh, maybe more likely than in other seasons. Uh, from the 419, more questions about, I'm one of those Ohio State fans who can't stand. I judge this team on wins against Michigan and Big Ten titles. I think this team is really good, though. In your role as your a reporter, do you think they're as good as Bama Clemson and all that stuff, or do you need to see more after Martinez had a bad evening? Nope, they are there. Master Teague is the real deal from the 419. He'll rush for 1,400 yards in 2020. Are you guys, if J.K. goes pro, and J.K. had a great night tonight, 177 rushing yards, are you completely at ease about the 2020 running back situation with the way Master Teague has played in the first five games?
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, we had this discussion a couple weeks ago. I was, uh, I was completely comfortable then and I think even more so now. I was really impressed by, you know, the, the, some of the what we saw from Master Teague tonight, that one drive where he was, it was a 55 yard touchdown drive, three plays, all Master Teague. Um, he's starting to show some things as a, as a receiver out of the backfield. Um, I think they've got something there. I think it's real. 804 is our O line now very good or is the Nebraska defense subpar?
2: I don't think that defense is subpar. They, they made some plays. I thought they ran to the ball in other games. They made some plays. I think, I think their defensive line has some guys who can do some stuff. I think this is much more about the Ohio State offensive line. Tobin Howard, instead of focusing on nine and three, how about a rundown of what ways and how much this team is currently surpassing expectations? This is a truly rare moment. It's worth appreciating, appreciating what has happened and is happening. Like, I, like, they're surpassing expectations in every facet, right? I mean, thats I'm telling you, man, it's going to get boring real fast. How are they good? Are they more good at this, or are they gooder at this good thing? I don't know. I think we should probably cancel the podcast until the playoff and just build
0: stuff up. Well, honestly, I mean, again, it, I, I like the <coughs> term you use boring. I'm kind of thinking, like, into the future, and it's like, I, if we start talking about, like, teams like Georgia and Alabama and Oklahoma, and it'd be like, Man, I'd love to watch Ohio State play that team next week. I don't know that I really want to watch them ever play Maryland or Rutgers.
1: No, but you can still see, like, I you can forget the opponent at this point. You can see if the if the if the way a team played it was if it's quality enough to compete with the other five teams that are in this discussion. The Rutgers game is going to be dreadful. Yeah. It's fine.
2: If you want to go, go. You know, it's fun. It's college. It's going to be dreadful. It's going to be awful. Um, And that's more on Rutgers than anything else. Let's see. Given the huge debate on the podcast this week between Meyer and Day, it now appears that Meyer keeping Shiano and Davis on staff was one of the greatest crimes perpetrated on Ohio State in modern times. Does this mistake alone make it a no-brainer that Ohio State had the right head coach this year? Wait. So uh, people, the, the point that if, if I'm arguing no, I would rather have Urban Meyer still than Ryan Day, as I argued on the podcast this week. But the fact that Urban Meyer last year employed Greg Schiano and Bill Davis, who, as we are seeing every game, clearly held this defense back. Is that like an unforgivable Black mark against Urban Meyer that, given how this front of the season has unfolded, would undoubtedly swing things in favor of Ryan Day.
1: No, I think that's more of a okay. That was so bad that like I think Ryan Day had an idea of like I just like don't be that bad with the hire. I think it's what it
2: is. Nobody tries to hire bad coaches. Urban uh, yeah. Meyer. Urban Meyer hired two of his friends. Greg Schiano was not a bad hire. Greg Schiano was bad last year. And Urban Meyer would have had to do something about Greg Schiano for this year. Bill Davis was a bad hire from the get-go. To hire the best man in your wedding who hasn't coached in college to coach college linebackers is a terrible mistake. But as I said before, when you start getting low on the list, a lot of your guys have other jobs. They're not going to come work for you anymore. Like it happens sometimes. And sometimes it's easier at the beginning because you can hire like all these fresh guys that you want. So I do not think it's it's to the point. It's like, yes, of course, that was terrible. And it did hurt Ohio State, but he made a bunch of other really good hires, too. And so I, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to make that like a an absolute winning argument for Ryan Day, like based on that alone. All right. We're at Stevens Hotel. He's at a slightly different hotel with us. So do you have to get out of the car? I mean, if you have to go in, go in and sleep and write stories and put up the video. Yeah. And we'll finish the last five minutes of the podcast. Cool. All right. Bye, guys. Um, Steven's going in. So you're going to put up the video tonight? Yeah. Okay. Go to cleveland.com slash OSU. We're trying to crank stuff out. There's always a balance of how much stuff we put up in the middle of the night. It's 120 in the East right now, how much we try to save stuff for the morning. Uh, we'll try to get through a few more questions here as we drive to our hotel. Uh, everybody was excited that this was going to limit my uh, – put in an end time on my talking because – uh, Nathan has already said he refuses to drive around the parking lot uh, just to let me babble some more. Um, the challenge now is to keep this team interested in continuing to dominate and beat down the opposition. We are now our greatest challenge. That's from the 419. Do you have any concerns about that, Nathan? The idea that like they're going to get a big head, they're going to relax because they've played so well, and that somehow is going to jump up and bite them?
0: I don't, and it comes down to an answer that Justin Fields gave tonight, he was asked about, and I actually, I don't even remember what it was that prompted the question, but his response was, well, in the past few years, we have kind of stubbed our toe in some of these games, and we aren't going to let that. He was talking in such a way that, obviously, he wasn't in this program when they lost at Iowa, when they lost at Purdue. But the way that he, it's it's something that's ingrained in this program now, that they have to take everybody seriously seriously, and that they have to rise to the occasion every week because when you don't, when you have that one slip up, it's devastating potentially. And I think we saw some signs of that in the way that they came out and just absolutely throttled Nebraska tonight.
2: What does Ryan Day bring to the team that Urban didn't that caused them to pull off a giant road win when everyone thought this was a trap game from the 470. And I appreciate all these questions. You know who won a lot of giant road games? Urban Meyer. And you know how I know he won a lot of giant road games? Because, like, the two that he lost, people never stop talking about. Ryan Day is doing a great job. Ryan Day, at some point in his life, and maybe it won't be this year, is going to lose a game. And so, like, what did, why did Ryan, Ohio State beat the tar out of teams all the time. Urban Meyer beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game with a third-string quarterback, fifty-nine to nothing. So, like, I I get it. I'm about out of trying to answer why is Ryan Day so much better than one of the five best coaches of all time? Because, like, that's we're sitting here saying we're all we're all on board for twelve and zero. They're also not at twelve and zero yet, and so. When our conversation is like, well, Ryan Day is never going to lose a game. How come Urban Meyer lost one out of every 20 games? It's like, I just, I don't, it's not the right conversation to have. And I know why everybody has a a natural inclination to compare everything about Ryan Day to everything that happened with Urban Meyer. But like, they had bad days. I've stated a thousand times what I think there's some of the connecting reasons were between those Purdue Iowa games but like if you uh, those losses but if you want to go back like why why is this Nebraska game compared only to the Purdue and Iowa losses why isn't it compared to the times that Urban Meyer came to Nebraska and won 62 to 3 right I mean like we we, we we have to we have to be able to talk about this in a way that doesn't somehow make an era where Urban Meyer lost 9 games in 7 years Somehow sound like a failure because Ryan Day is five and zero. We 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 just have to be able to have that conversation, and I understand it. I'm not. I'm just telling you like that's how I have to discuss it, and I'm the one who was here out of the three of us for all that stuff and witnessed it. And like I'm just not gonna say, well, what if Ryan Day had been the coach against Iowa in 2017? Do you think Ryan Day would have won that game 84 to three, or do you think he would have won it 65 to minus seven? It's like
0: well, I mean, it just maybe he would have wanted if he had gotten to take over this group of players that was recruited by Urban Meyer. So,
2: I mean, it's just they're 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 both really good, and so let's celebrate how good they are. But but I'm not. I mean, and I just don't as much as like I'm not trying to be frustrated because like you guys should only be excited about this team. But part of it is like the same thing as nine and three. If there's a chunk of your enjoyment about them being five and zero oh and looking great that is somehow connected to me predicting them to go 9-3, or if there's some chunk of it that it's like, well, this makes up for the fact that Urban Meyer lost a game last year. I People lose sometimes, man. I swear to God, Ryan Day's going to lose a game he shouldn't have lost sometime in his career. Maybe it won't be for a while, but you know who didn't lose for a while? Urban Meyer. He was 24-0. And then he lost a game that nobody ever thought he would lose in the Big Ten Championship. So, like, let's just make sure we're making the right connections and we're having the right conversations because there are a lot of connections and conversations that can be had about this team in a really fun and exciting way without trying to compare everything to like the 2% of things that went wrong for the last seven years. All right, Nathan's getting gas. I'll ask this to him from the 415. Do you think Ohio State gets any first place votes? So like we, we know you're thinking about it. There's 62? There's 62,
0: 62. Something person. around there, yeah.
2: How If you had to guess, as a person who is one of those votes, how many first-place votes will Ohio State have on Sunday?
0: I don't think they were higher than third on anybody's ballot this past time, so I don't know that they're going to jump. Even if they jump Clemson in somebody's ballot, I don't think jump both Clemson and Alabama. I think it's more likely that Alabama steals some first-place votes away from Clemson, maybe Georgia. I'm thinking about Georgia maybe as my number one. Um, I'm thinking about Ohio State as my one. I'm th- thinking about a lot of teams. But do um, you think it's
2: possible Ohio State still has zero it's cer- first place It's votes? certainly
0: possible Ohio State gets a first place vote, but I don't think it's likely.
2: So your prediction would be still zero. If you had, if you had to put a number on it, it's zero. Yes. Okay. All right, and someone said, is that proof the AP poll is a joke? Listen, I get it. I slam the AP poll as much as anybody as a voter. It's the best you've got. It doesn't mean anything. It's only fun. The committee's going to ignore it no matter how many people say, no, the committee is influenced by the AP. I swear to you, they're not. So, like, it doesn't matter. Feel free to get mad.
0: It, again, it, remove it emotion, and again, just remove emotion from it. Like, I don't actually have an emotional attachment to <clears throat> any of these teams that I'm potentially voting for. I went to college at a school that doesn't even have a football team. So I don't have any kind of allegiances here. And it's if you take emotion out of it, it becomes very, very hard to differentiate Ohio State from Clemson, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Oklahoma, Auburn. There's a lot of really good teams all stacked up at the top right now.
2: Is this the best Ohio State team you've seen this century? What set? What century does that mean starting in 2000? The 21st century. Is that, that's what the century is right now? Is it 21st? Correct. It is. Because it's one ahead of the,
0: yes. the thing. Yeah. You went to college, right?
2: Long time ago. In the twentieth century I went to college. Um No, that was nineteenth century. So I've the Renaissance. Uh one time we were at a hotel and uh my daughter said to me, Um, why is the Renaissance so fancy? And I went on like a five minute explanation about like architecture and sculpture and like at a time when people could stop being like um, a nomadic or or a society where you you had time for leisure and to appreciate finer things and like the rise of the whole art artist class. And she like just listened to me for like ten minutes and then went like, "No, the hotel." <laughs> it's like, oh, it's because they have a hot tub. Um, but it's much like listening to this podcast. It's like, Dad, would you please shut up? That's not what I meant. I wonder how many people hear me use their question, and then go off on some riff, and they're like, no, Doug, that's not what I meant. Is this the best Ohio State team you've seen this century? I'm only going to go by the teams I covered starting at 05. I think it's arguable that this team is as good as any team that I've covered because of the combination of offense, defense, and coaching. I mean, the 14 team and the 2005 team were excellent. You think about the 2005 team with Troy Smith, with A.J. Hawk, with Dante Whitner with Santonio Holmes and Ted Ginn Jr. and Anthony Gonzalez. That team, the 2006 team was the one that went undefeated in the regular season, but after 05, they lost five guys to the first round. Um, A.J. Hawk, Bobby Carpenter, Dante Whitner, Santonio Holmes, and Nick Mangold. That's how good that team was. It was all the guys from the national championship level team before Urban Meyer got to them. All The team that was number one all year at 12-0, and 0, plus five first-round draft picks. That's how good that 5 team was, and just Vince Young got them. They had a quarterback controversy at the beginning that wasn't settled. Um, if Troy Smith had been able to settle into the position right away, the way Justin Fields has settled in right now, um, that 2005 season might have been a different story. But I do think this coaching is more innovative than much of the coaching in the trestle era, partly because the game has changed so much and it sort of requires that. Um but I think maybe then maybe than any less than any Ohio State team I've covered, this team relies less on the we're better than you, we're just gonna line up and do what we do and like dare you to beat us. We're gonna play press man. We're gonna run zone read we're going to do things that you expect us to do and like you still can't stop us. I feel like this team does more things that are unexpected, coupled with talent that you probably couldn't handle anyway. So, I know that I'm saying like we don't have to compare anything to the past, and why are we I do think there are some things that are happening, and part of it is just the new era of college football, but there are some things happening with the coaching staff and schematically that are maybe at a different level um, than what I've seen for most of my career covering Ohio State. Hey, Doug, new tech subscriber just this week. Thank you from the 443 and didn't get to see the game because of a niece's wedding in Brooklyn. Family first. So, what was the single most impressive part of tonight's win? So, if you're explaining this to this guy who was at the wedding, Nathan, and you only had 30 seconds to do it, And he said, like, just tell me the one thing I've got to know about why they were so awesome tonight. What's your answer?
0: I think it's the way that they completely just disemboweled Adrian Martinez. Um, This defense, which of these two quarterbacks looked like he was a first-year starter and which one looked like he was in his second year as a starter? Which one of them looked like he was playing in a a nice, comfortable home environment which one looked like he was on the road in front of 90-some thousand fans cheering against him? Like... Adrian Martinez, from the opening snaps of this game, was rattled and on the run and just completely taken out of it, I think, mentally as much as anything. Um, And that, I think, was the most impressive thing, was the way this defense just stepped up and said, we are light years better than you. This is the kind of questions that I want to delve in more on
2: in the coming weeks as I uh, detach myself from covering this team that is going to win every game 50 to nothing, um, And I'm going to try to answer it now in the moment, even though I don't have a great answer, but that has never stopped me before. Um, where's the question? It was like, which team in the country can give Ohio State the toughest game? Let me see. Where is it? What team in the country provides the best challenge for Ohio State in terms of offense and scheme? Thanks for your coverage, guys. Love the show from Josh Salisbury. I, all the other great teams all have great quarterbacks. As we keep saying, Ohio State has not and will not face a great quarterback. But if they get Joe Burrow, Jake From, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, or Trevor Lawrence, that will be a next-level test for them. I do think Tua, with what he can do, or... The Lincoln-Riley offense being run by an incredibly veteran-composed, really lights-out quarterback right now in Jalen Hurts would be the two I'm most interested in. Yes, Trevor Lawrence is great, but I think you have a little better idea of like – it's just the whole – it's always a dual-threat quarterback, right? Instead of – and not that two is like running all over the place, but Jalen Hurts can really get out and run sometimes. Is there one offense in particular that you would be most interested to see against this Ohio State defense? And again, we're going to start – We're going to start spending a lot more time with the other five best teams in the country because moving forward, that's the comparison each week for Ohio State. It is not Northwestern. It is not Wisconsin. It is not Maryland or Rutgers. And if one of those teams jumps up and gets them and we're looking ahead, fine, we'll live with that. But we want to start comparing them on a regular basis to the other five best teams. My instinct is if Ryan Day is the next Lincoln Riley, I'd love to see these guys against the real Lincoln Riley.
0: Yeah, I think also Alabama, (coughs) just because you've got – a upper echelon quarterback in in Tua. You have an upper echelon receiver in Jerry Judy. You've got other playmakers on that offense, um, other really good receivers on that offense. I just feel like they have elite skill position guys kind of scattered all over that could probably challenge this defense in a way that we haven't seen yet, although we kind of thought that was gonna happen tonight. Not that not that Nebraska has Tua and Judy and guys like that. But we thought there was going to be a really versatile Nebraska offense with guys all over the place who could challenge in different ways, and it just never materialized. It was pretty much just a, a beat down from the start.
2: I'm not making Nathan drive around the parking lot, but we are at the hotel. We have to go in and attempt to sleep and write like in the next like at the same four time. hours. Um, so we're going to run like three or four more. How much do we really learn from this game? Is Ohio State very good or is Nebraska bad? hunter roberts and he says don't say a little bit of both from the 216 same kind of question did this game give us an idea of how good ohio state really is or was nebraska just not as good as everyone anticipated we can't say both we've got to pick one is it that ohio state's so good or Nebraska's actually bad which is it
0: ohio state is more good than nebraska is bad
2: it's ohio state's good i mean it really truly is they go watch some of i know they turned it over and the turnovers killed them tonight they can do some things and it's what nathan said the disemboweling do you ever when you're trying to think of sports words and sports verbs for winning big do you go to like thesaurus.com
0: and look up i haven't gone that far but i i like i i tried not to use eviscerate tonight because i think i used that in a game story last year and i didn't want it to be repetitive but yeah i try to come up with Something new. I used pulverized tonight in my headline. I thought that was good.
2: Yeah, that's the point we're at. We're at, I mean, I look at thesaurus.com all the time.
0: I'm I do. Not usually, I have before, but not usually in, this ca- in these cases.
2: My stories, my first draft of stories are basically like, Ohio State was good. The players ran fast. <laughs> they looked nice. And then I go to thesaurus.com and spin that gold, baby. Um, that's where we are with this team. We cannot get to all the questions. We had 147 questions. And it turns out that driving from Lincoln to Omaha is not enough time to answer 147 questions. We appreciate all of them. I will read all of them. I will try to text back or text to the group about as many of them as possible. We love you guys hanging with us. This is going to be a challenge because it's going to get boring awesome. And I am an expert. Believe me. Here's the good thing. Let me be your guide. Nathan's new. I'm an expert at boring awesome. I've been writing boring awesome for 15 years. We are heading towards boring awesome. I think Wisconsin is the number 8 team in the country and that that game might even be boring awesome. But Maryland, Rutgers, Northwestern, I think Michigan State's going to be that. I think we are looking at a lot of boring awesome. It's just the reality. It's going to be intriguing to watch this team play one of the best teams in the country. I'm an unbiased reporter who thought they were going to go 9-3. and I would look forward to that, to really try to find out about this team. And as an unbiased reporter, there's a strong part of me that hopes nothing goofy gets in the way of that. Because something goofy got in the way in 2015, and we didn't get to see this Ohio State team take another run at it. They don't get tested enough week to week in their own conference. They can only get that test in the playoff. Because even a bowl game... Teams have given up in bowl games half the time. With everything on the line against a team that has as much talent, that's what I want to see this team play. So I'm going to hope that we get there, and I'm going to absolutely assume that we get there. Go with us on this journey. We will make it interesting for you, even if the games on Saturday may not be that interesting, because this team is really good, and we have to go sleep for 90 minutes. Nathan Baird is still here. Stephen Means... <clears throat> is back at his hotel. We're staring into the weeds of a Nebraska field. I'm Doug LaMaurice. And that was Buckeye Talk.